This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. In today's episode, I chat with Carrie Heisey about the impact her nonprofit, Design for Joy, is having on women coming from vulnerable situations. She shares how her team connects with the women, encourages the women, and partners with various organizations to support the women. Listen to what she has to say about God's fruit. If I'm walking the neighborhood, I usually am working out something with God, just praying and praying and praying and praying. And I came back from that trip and I was disappointed. I was sad. So-and-so wasn't going to church and -and so-and-so said she was going to meet me and she didn't show up. And I just wasn't seeing the change that I thought I was going to see after visiting this one specific community three times in a row. But I have good, faithful friends and they reminded me that I am not privy to seeing fruit. I am the water or the planter for the Lord. It's his privilege to see the fruit. Welcome to the Grace Enough podcast, Carrie. It's great to have you here today. Will you take a few moments and just introduce us to yourself, your family, and Design for Joy? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be at one of your first couple of podcasts, Amber. Congratulations. Thank you. So my name is Carrie Heisey. I grew up in Myrtle Beach. Um, I've spent my whole adult life in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I'm married to Rob, and I'm mother to Carver and Ashlyn. They are tween and early teens, so that might give you an indication of what my life is like. (laughs) Design for Joy is a baby nonprofit. We are just over a year old. Um, We are downtown Raleigh. We have a working studio. We're hiring women um, coming from vulnerable situations, trafficking, prison, homelessness, and we're paying them a living wage, $12 an hour to work with us. My friend Kristen is our designer. She creates all the products that we make, and then she teaches the women how to create the jewelry and handbags and home decor in our workshops. Well, something that I love about your ministry is the fact that you employ people from the town in which you reside. So how do you find some of those women? Who do you partner with to find people who are coming out of those difficult situations? Amber, that is one thing that attracts so many people to us because we're helping women right in our community. Um, We do carry a few international lines in our studio, but um, yeah, 90% of what you'll find in our retail space is made right downtown Raleigh. Our artisans usually come to us with a referral from another organization. Some of those are Salvation Army Project Fight, Shield North Carolina, Caring Connections Ministry, and there are a few who come to us a little bit more organically and that we try to include. We always try to say yes to someone who needs a job. But what's great about working with the other organizations is that we, this is more of a holistic care approach. 
if I'm bringing a lady in from Caring Connections Ministry, I know that she's being taken care of with a mentor, someone who's helping her maybe get an apartment or get her GED or get her children back. And I can be the vocational resource piece. We all don't have to be at all. We can take a little piece of the pie and what we do well and help each other out and then give really good holistic care to these women. There's so much I want to talk about, but before we get into too many details, take me back to pre-design for joy in Carrie's life. I was a serial entrepreneur. I've started (laughs) um, three other businesses and sold two in the last eight years. I was also at the same time doing a lot of international mission work. It was two years ago, May. I was in Rwanda. We were doing a business retreat. I was leading some business leaders in Rwanda, and we were meeting all of these artisan groups. And it finally kind of came to my mind, like how I was going to marry these two worlds, business and ministry. For the longest time, when we would start either financially or prayerfully start artisan groups around the world, I was thinking, God, what do you want me to do? Just start a website and put these products on a website? I mean, I could have completely done that, but it just never really felt right or made sense to me. When we were in Rwanda, we were visiting an artisan group. It was 30 women who were coming off the streets as prostitutes. And they had been working together for two years, making quality products. They were selling them in Rwanda and they were selling them in the the United States as well. And when I came home, I just said to my friends, like, we could totally do this here. And within two months, we had started and registered for our 501c3. I mean, how do you even get that started? I mean, because you have an entrepreneurial spirit, that is not something that I resonate with. So it doesn't make as much sense to me. But when you just decide to start something, I mean, did you just call your three closest friends and say, hey, we don't really have any finances or a place to do this, but we're just going to do it? I guess two parts. The first is that after being an independent business owner for several years before, financial risk isn't so much of a big deal anymore. I trust my gut and I have an instinct and I know that I'm good at what I do, but I don't do, the second part is I don't do anything alone, which is really half of the success. I always bring along women with me, either a couple of steps ahead of me or maybe someone who's new to that journey. I really truly believe in that life of leadership, bringing people along with you, creating community. And this is a really great way to minister to my friends. I'm designed for joy. One of our values is hospitality. And that's not just for the woman who's coming in who needs a job. It's for the volunteer. It's for the board member. It's for the shopper who's coming in. I seem to attract women who flirt with their faith. I think that I'm relatable and raw enough where I don't seem too far beyond anyone. I seem like a step maybe ahead in my faith faith journey. And I think that is a really welcoming feeling. So two parts, practice and not seeing failure as failure, but a a lesson learned and community. When you first started Design for Joy, did you have any women on staff already or did you all start creating the products first and then begin inviting artisans around the table? So our first group of artisans came from Sir Walter Apartments, downtown Fayetteville. Wow. Do you know about that? I do not. It's low-income housing for seniors and widows. We have been um, serving in that building for a long time. And there were some artists, independent artists really there, who we brought on, and they helped us do some of our original home decor. 
And at that point, it was the first month or two before we got our 501c3. Yeah, we were just paying them cash and just seeing how this thing was going to work. So tell me now, how did you come about getting the workspace? So it went from something that was in apartment complexes, maybe in your home, at churches, to now you have a brick and mortar studio space in downtown Raleigh. Everything's happened so quickly. So we were using borrowed space from Sir Walter Apartments and also Caring Connections Ministry works out of the Raleigh Baptist Association. So we would be taking every week sewing machines and materials and boxes of stuff, toting them around all around Raleigh using this borrowed space. And one of my board members found this cute little studio downtown Raleigh in Boylan Heights at rent, which at the time probably seemed scary to us, but not that out of the idea that we could do it. And so I think within four months, we had our our little working studio downtown. And it's such a gorgeous space. I love visiting there. And I know you have a heart to invite more and more women into that space. So what are some things that you all do there besides just have women that you employ around the table? I mean, that space is so warm. It's so bright. It's a charming building. It was built in nineteen in the 1920s, I think. We have rolling chairs around our work table, and you'll find yourself like rolling next to your neighbor because the floor is a little off. It's not very leveled, but that's what gives it its charm. Um, but yeah, if we're not in our working studio, we are always creating events and opportunities to invite ladies in. Um, maybe a book club wants to come and visit, or maybe we invite some influencers in the area who are talking about ethical fashion or sustainable living. We always find reasons to use that space and share it. So many wonderful things are going on there. And I know part of your vision is to really gather the women around the table and not just provide them a sustainable income, but to pour into their faith and into their confidence. So when you're in the studio and you're sitting there with women that you're employing, what does that look like? What are you all talking about? What are some stories that you can share with us about the women in your space? I have to hold back some giggles because it is always very entertaining. (laughs) We start our workshops with devotion and prayer, and that usually warms everyone up and gets everyone talking, gets our volunteers as part of the conversation. It's just a really like get to know you exercise for the first 20 or 30 minutes. And then the next five and a half hours or whatever it is where we get to work. Around the table, you'll have Kristen, maybe a couple other board members helping that day, maybe four or five artisans working, and then maybe two or three volunteers just sitting alongside. And and maybe they're helping them cut the leather, but maybe they're just tagging products and writing the artisan's name on the back. We provide lunch for our artisans once a week. That's a great way to bless the ladies and then also to create community with our volunteers. You know, Jesus was all about some food at a table. And so inviting everybody to eat is always a really special time. And we only do offer lunch once a week. And when we don't offer lunch, artisans usually don't bring lunch. So it is a need. And that is actually a great way for people to help or volunteer or get familiar with Design for Joy is to bring lunch. But the table... I don't know. We talk about everything you would talk about with your friends. Like right before Christmas, we talked about having Christmas with your mother-in-law. Sometimes we talk about heavy things, though, too. We talk about having babies at ages 12 and ages 15. Wow. And um, 
it's a safe place. We've created a really safe, loving place where people can be honest. And one thing that I share with our artisans is that our stories are really not all that different. Mm -hmm. It really comes down to sometimes the resources that you have to fall back on. So when you're coming from generational poverty, one speeding ticket, one illness, one car wreck, one missed rent check, that takes years and years to overcome. Mm -hmm. But if you come from a family that is more middle class, even lower middle class, those are just kind of bumps in the road that you just don't even think about and you take for granted the resources that you have around you. Maybe you have someone who speaks for you in court. Maybe your mom is a lawyer or knows the lawyer to help you out. And when you're coming from some really tough situations as it is, these will keep you down for a long time. Carrie, I listen to you say that, and I can honestly say I've had this conversation with so many people just asking them to think about what it would be like if you didn't have a mom and a dad who even helped you pay car insurance when you were a teenager. What would it be like if you didn't have a mom and a dad who had a car themselves to get themselves to work? Mm -hmm. What would it be like if you didn't have your neighbor next door who maybe was willing to pick up your kid because they have the resources and the time to do that. And the list goes on and on and on because it's those simple things. And that's something I have learned as well. And so just being able to sit around a table with people and speak to them and learn their stories is invaluable because they don't feel like they're valued. And I know that's something about Design for Joy that I love. And I think that it's educating people more and more as this type of ministry becomes more known. And so I appreciate the work you guys are doing. Is there any specific story about a woman who maybe has come in there really broken? And by the time she leaves the table, I know your goal is to get her into full-time employment to provide a more solid resume. Is there any story about a woman that you could share in that regard? Several. We celebrate when we have an empty chair. That means someone has gone off and found full-time work. And then that also leaves a space open for a new woman at the table. So Lauren was an artisan of ours who started near the very beginning. She had some health issues. She was a single mom. Her housing situation was not ideal. She was with us for a long time. She probably got a little comfortable at Design for Joy, but she found full-time work with healthcare benefits that she really, really needed, but she left with confidence. And now she is a volunteer and a donor of Design for Joy. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. That is amazing. Full circle. Yeah, blessings all around. And you know what? She'll show up at special events like our anniversary celebration. And she shared from her heart in front of everyone, like the mayor of Apex was there and artisans and all of our board members and our friends. And she shared from her heart. She inspires artisans that are there. Yes. They see... What could be down the road? Excitement and the enthusiasm that she has and success from someone who was in there in that very same seat. I love it. And do you find that a lot? Do you find a lot of your women who have left the table and gone on coming back, maybe not just to volunteer, but just to say, this is what I'm doing? And that's a great question. We don't have a lot that come back to us specifically. But what we do here is local retailers will say your artisan Jan or whoever came in and bought a pair of earrings that she made at Design for Joy. 
So someone maybe who has gone off and gotten full-time work or better paying work, like longer term work, um, she's come in and bought a piece of her jewelry at a local store. Oh, wow. What a testimony of just pouring into women's lives. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. That exchange of money and our earrings are a little bit more, you know, in cost than maybe the average line because we are an ethical social enterprise. And so for them to pay that money, it just really honors themselves, honors their work and honors design for joy. Well, we were talking before we started recording and I want you to share that story, that thought of women's ministry and how you had not really wanted or or not seen yourself as being in women's ministry and that wrestling. Can you share that with us? Yes, I will. This is a story about God's timing. And yeah, I had never imagined myself in women's ministry. I had started doing international mission work with co-ed teams. And, Which, tell uh, me real quick, where all have you been? So I've been to Belize many, many times in different areas. I've been to Costa Rica several times. I've been to um, Uganda. And I was in Rwanda, but it was more of business. However, we were, we were celebrating Christian artisan groups while we were there, and we visited African New Life. So even if I'm not on business, I'm a faith-based girl, and I'm always looking for opportunities. So when you gone to Belize, did you visit a lot of the same people that you had seen from the very beginning, or were you doing different things? Sometimes, I don't mean to give you a, a difficult answer. No, not at all. Sometimes we'll go to maybe one village or one community and serve and maybe just kind of launch something. Like it's not unusual for me and friends to go down with sewing machines, maybe like five or six sewing machines. And we spend the week teaching the women how to sew, but also discipling them at the same time, doing Bible studies, having evenings of celebrations with them. Of course, doing children's program the whole time, because how can you serve a mom and not, you know, she's always going to have a child or three with her. There is a group though that's really close to my heart in San Pedro, Belize. We go back and visit there often and I'm flirting with the idea of going back sometime soon just on my own as a homecoming. Years ago, I took my birthday and asked friends to come and listen to a director of ministry in Belize, just hear her story while she was in town and then donate money to her. And I think with my birthday, we raised like $750 and we were able to launch an artisan group with just my birthday money. In Belize? Yes. They've launched, Esther is the name of their artisan group. I think their website is up and live, esther.com maybe. And now their sewing group has launched. And so my friend slash mentor slash the director is like, come, come and see this, come and see the sewing group. They're so excited. And so I've been putting a little bug in Kristen's ear for us to find an excuse, spend a couple of days in Belize and visit our sisters there. Oh, that's awesome. Well, all of that, I interrupted you when you were telling me your story about women's ministry. And so I want to hear that as well. We we had done international mission work. We went, I say we, my friend Georgia and I, we went to Belize for our first time and we just could not get enough. So we ended up going to Belize three times within like 16 months. And we were serving alongside both men and women doing usually like a vacation Bible school and maybe like a street evangelism and maybe food ministries. But on this third trip, when I came home, 
I was so disappointed. I'm the woman who walks around in my neighborhood and like prays and cries. <laughs> I love it. That's like my mother-in-law and she is one of the greatest examples of godly women that I know. So that's awesome. If I'm walking the neighborhood, I usually am working out something with God, just praying and praying and praying and praying. And I came back from that trip and I was disappointed. I was sad. So-and-so wasn't going to church and -and so-and-so said she was going to meet me and she didn't show up. And I just wasn't seeing the change that I thought I was going to see after visiting this one specific community three times in a row. But I have good, faithful friends and they reminded me that I am not privy to seeing fruit. I am the water or the planter for the Lord. Amen. It's his privilege to see the fruit and his timing. So I was walking and walking and walking and trying to figure this out. And it just dawned on me, Carrie, you should take a women's team. And I thought that was crazy, but also made lots of sense that I was already creating these groups of women's community with my businesses and with, you know, just Bible study. So it really wasn't out of the question. I was really nervous to ask the leader of this organization that we had been traveling with for those 16 or 18 months, because this was his thing, right? So going to him and saying, hey, what do you think about me leading a women's team down there? I did it. And he was like, yes, that's what what we've been praying for. We want people to start leading teams, growing this thing. And so I was like, well, great. Georgia said she would lead it with me. I just love friends, right? Who you give them a crazy idea and they're like, we should totally Totally do do it. (laughs) (laughs) Everything was going swimmingly, right? I had plan and I knew by this date we were going to have 10 women and we were going to go and I had to have 10 women with this other organization this send organization we were going with and guess what the day that I was supposed to have 10 women I only had eight women oh wow so I spent two days in my guest room on the bed crying I know that sounds really dramatic but it's honestly what I did because I felt like my heart was broken why would God put this on my heart mm-hmm. and all of the yeses that I got mm-hmm. and then not see it through to the end. I just didn't get it. And I checked my pride and I told you before being in business failure doesn't mean what it used to mean. I wasn't embarrassed. It wasn't my pride, but I just couldn't figure out why he had let me gone that long with all that planning. Mm-hmm. And then when it came time to do it, there weren't enough people. But Amber, the good news is is that was the timeline that I had put on the project. Two more women stepped up that next week. Wow. And I learned through that. I have to give God time to work on people's hearts Mm. so that they can step up. Or maybe he's working on their husband's hearts. Or I don't know, just there's many details in our lives. And God is working out all of those for his good. Mm -hmm. There are some trips that I get really excited about that sometimes don't happen. But I see it in a different light now. I feel like even though his answer at that really dramatic time was ultimately yes, I'm a little bit more comfortable with the no's now because I know there's something else in the background happening that I just don't know about. Well, and so often we use the scripture of God is working all things for his good as almost a cliche, but the reality is it's true when you're talking about years and years in your faith and the growth and the things that you end up being able to see as a result of some of the heartache or the disappointment you've faced. Because working all things together for good, sometimes those things don't seem good until years and years later. 
or maybe you don't get to see the good. But like you were saying, sometimes it's the work in someone else's life that is taking place that is good. And God is the one who's making it fruitful, not us. Yes, for sure. And don't we have to put ourselves out there for the heartbreak to really learn his love? For sure. For sure. It's interesting for me to hear you say you didn't ever see yourself in women's ministry because what I hear you describing is that you were always doing that anyways. Because if you're leading groups and going and loving on people like you have described, you were doing women's ministry. You just didn't maybe want to call it that. Maybe so, Dr. Amber. Maybe so. (laughs) Well, tell me this. 2019 is upon us. What's going on with Design for Joy? What do you see coming down the pike? What's your, a few of your hopes and dreams for this company this year? So our word for the year is momentum. Our our word for our first year was abundance. We were just going to truly trust that there was enough for us to make this thing happen if God was behind it. Mm. And our revenue is far more than we ever dreamed our first year. I had an idea of what I thought was a lot of money. It's almost double that. Wow. And you know, what's funny about last year is that several of our fundraising campaigns kind of happened at the same time as some natural disasters. And so it was really hard for us to do some of our fundraising when there was a hurricane or when there was whatever, all of the things that were going on last year. Right. But we just acknowledged it with our followers. We said, look, we know that you are generous and we know that you want to give to very specific first responder things and other do good organizations. But if you want to give to Design for Joy, we're just going to keep fundraising, but we give you a nod and we understand that there's lots of need right now. So this year, momentum, God is giving us all of these resources and we want to make sure that we are good stewards and that we don't drop the ball, that we continue to hustle in both business and in ministry. Some other business things as we're looking at 2019, this year we were really successful at doing large vendor events. And so we want to do more of that. When we're at a vendor event, a shopping spree, it's a really large junior league event here in Raleigh. It's five days long. We were not trying to sell earrings, right? We're just telling people about the mission. We're able to say just down the street, we have a working studio and we're hiring women who are coming from these situations and people just swarmed around it. They wanted to know more. They wanted to be a part of it. And so I'm sure we'll continue to be doing some outreach in that type of arena. Carrie, where can we find you on all the social media apps and your website? Designed, that's with an E-D, designedforjoy.com. And you can find us on Instagram. We love Instagram. And of course, Facebook. Okay, and those are designed for joy as well? Yes. Awesome. Well, we end our show with a couple of questions. What is an area of your life where you feel that you have really had to depend on God's grace, on his unmerited favor in your life? Uh, Amber, I think I have an answer for you, but I was wondering, what's your short answer to that? Parenting young children, particularly three-year-olds. And I'm really not even joking about that. I could talk about it for a long time because I am not a very patient person. So that's my short answer. Well, God does show us his love in our parenting all the time, right? Amen. And his grace. (laughs) Yes. So part of my testimony is that I was married before and I have been a believer my whole entire life. 
My mother's legacy was her faith. And she has grown two faithful daughters. But I got married right after college, and I did not invite God into that marriage at all. I don't even know what I was thinking. And of course, it failed in year four or five. I had to leave that marriage. I'm really open about that because when I met my husband now, Rob, we've been married for 15 years. It was a deal breaker. I knew I had to get back into church and I shared with Rob, you have to commit to growing with me in church and growing our future family in church or, or I cannot do this because I tried to do it without him and it didn't work. Keeping those steps aligned with him or at least trying to as a couple, as a married couple has made all the difference in our life. I cannot agree more. And with that said, what is an area of your life where you just feel like you need to pour out the same type of grace that God has given you, where can you pour out more of that grace to others? In my reflection time for the new year, I actually wrote this in my planner. Communication is a really big deal to me, but it's not as a big deal to other people. So I really have to be more grace giving to those who don't communicate as frequently or don't communicate exactly the way I want them to. We're maybe similar people. <laughs> I mean, communication, it's a thing for me. And I get a little antsy and I get a little anxious when it's not timely. And I can get a little particular about the delivery. And that's in my home life and my business life. It's all over. So that's just something that I've kind of confessed and claimed for this year. Assume the best. That's right. Because sometimes people's communication, it is, it's just different. It can be more short and especially in the social media world and email, it can come across so much different than what people intend, including myself. Lastly, if you could fast forward, what is some wisdom if you got to sit down, not with your grandchildren, but with your great grandchildren and share some wise advice with them? What's something you would share? We talk a lot about online presence. And we've had a hard lesson recently about our identity is in Christ in that we don't want to use our strong opinions online. We want people to come to know our kind hearts and our love for the Lord and react to things that are even like super really passionately important to us in a real warm, loving way. So we don't turn others off that the world doesn't make any promises to you is not looking out for you and that God is and he means it. And I'm betting my whole life on it. Oh, that's a great way to end. Carrie, thank you so much for being on today. And I just want to encourage listeners to go over and visit Design for Joy, look at their products, read their mission, know that they are empowering women here in our community. If you are local to Raleigh, please go and visit their brick and mortar shop. It is a little gorgeous building that you will just love to visit. Thanks again, Carrie, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Amber. Congratulations on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for links and resources at graceenoughpodcast.com. My conversation with Anna Patak, a human trafficking overcomer, will be posted this Thursday. Be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play and click subscribe. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the Grace Enough Podcast. If you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Grace Enough Podcast or tag me at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber on Instagram and Facebook. 
Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu slash podcast.